Let's go. It's time to get even more frank, more frank. on the Get More Frank podcast with sales strategist, performance coach, marketing expert, and best-selling author, Frank, frank Lopes. The thing that keeps all the car deals from happening virtually and online and the way that it should have happened a long time ago is really the appraisal process. That's where all the deals stop. You can still get payments. You can submit deals. You can do all that stuff online, but you can't really transact start to finish, including a trade and be able to pull the payoff no matter who the lender is and then be able to do your, your tag and title work. And that's what we're about to do. And then once that's done, then you're going to do it in the metaverse, right? But you can't transact in the metaverse, which seems way out there and you can't do AR, VR, XR, all the NFTs, stack those up to be able to do rewards programs. And that's the future of Bonvoy. And I can go on and on and on about everything metaverse related, but the metaverse doesn't happen if AccuTrade doesn't happen. AccuTrade is really the conduit to be able to allow complete uh, virtual transactions. It'll unlock the future of the automotive retail industry where people can work from home and they, or they can work on different schedules. They don't have to be there physically as long as they're producing X amount of results and they don't have to be there all day long. They could work from home and book X amount of appointments. They can work from home. And, you know, we're working with certain dealer groups in terms of having, you know, four to 12 BDC reps that are work at home people so you can widen your talent pool. And do they really need to be there if all they're doing, if they're generating, if they're buying 50 cars a month on an acquisition team? I mean, I just think everything needs to be rethought. You're listening to the Get More Frank podcast. With all the greatness that you had, all the success that you had over at Toyota in Naples, it sounds to me like you basically just got bored. It sounds like you were looking for a challenge and looking for a challenge over and over again, a bigger mountain to climb. Am I right in that or am I totally am I totally off? A, I wanted to spend more time with my kids, but I guess if you put it that way, yes, I guess I needed to. I have a sickness and it happened at the dealership where... And luckily, I had an amazing team around me that was that was game, and they were down to throw down at any moment. But you know, in many cases, in other parts of my career, everything's going great, everything's going fine. Why why mess it up? Why do you have to break it? And the way I always looked at it is, sometimes a bone gets set, and if it was broken before and it didn't get set perfectly, sometimes you got to you know re-break it. And you got in order to set it correctly, and the, and the re-break is painful. Nobody wants to go through that pain. I think. To your point earlier, maybe some of the stuff that I've been through in my life, I've been through with some amazing mentors and some, I mean, just the unbelievable mentors that also applied massive amounts of pressure to me and pressure that I didn't uh, always welcome at the time. But I look back in, in, in hindsight and I, and I absolutely love them for it. I guess at the end of the day, there was a little bit, you know, there were some other things that we that we could do. But yeah, you at some point, I guess that pressure is a that 10x is a is a high and uh you know, sometimes you you put yourself out there to be able to put more pressure on yourself to see what you're capable of, you know, or to maybe create problems that don't need to be created to see if you can go through it. You know, Brian, I don't think that's a sickness at all. To be honest, I think it's a tremendous blessing because because of having that in you, whether that came from your upbringing, from managers in the past, from mentors that you had that pressured you or whatever, the majority of people would give anything to be able to have that drive inside of them. They read books, they take, you know, they go to seminars, they watch shows like this, they do things all the time to try to create that drive or to try to spark that drive in their own mind. Mind, but you had it inside of you. 
My friend, in no way, shape, or form am I gonna say that that's some kind of a sickness or anything. That's an absolute gift. Hi, it's Dusty Sutherland from Cognition Digital, and it's time to get blind friends. Demetrius asks, Brian, what is the thing that made you still do it even when you thought you might fail? You have to have a sense of purpose. You have to know, because if, if you don't have a sense of purpose, then you know, you're definitely gonna tap out. And it's typically, at the beginning, it's always the toughest, right? To get the flywheel moving and to get momentum. You know, it's been a, a lot easier at cars because I think that they were just looking for direction. They just wanted to know what to do and uh, they, they were craving it. But like in, in many dealerships that I've gone into, there, it wasn't received that well. And it was like, you know, what are you doing here? What's your agenda? You know, I've had people in dealerships that I've worked at that said, you know, I don't have to outlast this process. I said to outlast you because I've seen you know, dozens of you. And they were right, you know, and I couldn't dispute anything like that. So it just comes down to the stamina and it comes down to those few moments. And right when you're about to tap out, which has crossed my mind many, many times, but there's an obligation that you have to all the people on the team as well, because there's so much good that we can do by streamlining some things and we can make, do, you know, do things with technology that'll make the car business so much better, not just for the customers, but for the dealer body. Get more French. You talk so much so far tonight about the team, about the team that you created. It's very obvious to anybody that's watching that this team is extremely important to you, even to this day. You're not at the dealership anymore, but this is still your team. You still consider these people your team. How do you build a team that way? How do you find these people? What's Brian Kramer's process for actually building a team? When you're a good human, you hire people that are good humans, then they attract good humans, right? It's like a, you know, a signal. Mike Maroney told me one time, he said, you know, the automation wayfinder is projecting excellence. You found it and other people are going to find it and it attracts the top talent. We, what we want to do is have that be like the bat signal for the top talent in the world so that everybody comes and seeks us out. We've got excellence in everything that we do. You know, that's one of the benefits, one of the, probably the biggest benefit of when I got on social media is that it put us on the map so that people would see the winning and our competitors saw the winning and they saw the innovation. So you detract this like younger, more innovative crew that wanted to be part of that winning. And they knew that what they were signing up for. And I think the first thing starts with how you attract talent, how you, you know, recruit talent, hire talent, how you, develop talent, how you promote talent, and then how you retain it. And that's really the, the, the formula, but it's a lot easier said than done. So how you attract talent is, is what you do and who you are. You can't really fake that. I mean, I guess you can kind of do that on social media, whatever, you're gonna get found out real quick. Then when you recruit talent, recruiting process for us, what I would recommend is we use it as the elimination process, very much like the Navy SEALs. And if they're going to bounce off of us as we're trying to talk them out of it and tell them that it's this, it's going to be harder than you want. We're going to apply more pressure. You're going to be asking, why did I do this? And you're already in a comfortable situation. So this probably isn't something you should do. Now, if that's something that when people do that, they get attracted and they obviously light up and they want to be a part of that. That's a different conversation, right? It's tough to do that when you need people, when you're in a high, you know, you're in a tough hiring situation and you're down, you have a couple people leave or a competitor recruited some people out of your store. That's where the rubber hits the road. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do that when you don't need to. It's another thing to tolerate somebody who's a bad culture fit, but generates good numbers. Need some motivation and inspiration first thing in the morning? Sure you do. Join the Get More Frank text crew for daily motivation and inspiration delivered direct to your phone. 
text let me in to 732-561-1854 to join the crew and get more frank when i got in the car business with that same person i'm thinking about and he threw the phone book at me i'm like okay he was just started a and tell me when you got a prospect and it took me all the way to dan b now b-i-n-a-u and he hooked up and he goes and he was an attorney and he said you know what kid i'm gonna give you a shot and i sold him a q45 but it took that long and that's a lot of phone calls and that many people hanging up on me piss off do that but i got just insane amounts of reps and then you get numb to the objection you get numb like a like a callus to okay so somebody tells you whatever i've already heard that you know a thousand times who cares you just keep going but a lot of that crazy stuff telling me to go drive behind the the denny's or the Bennigan's or the Applebee's and strip mall. And after five o'clock, everybody would go over there drinking and the wholesale, three wholesalers were over there telling me what the cars were worth and envelopes taking hands. But you know what? <clears throat> I could sit there and say, and they did it on my mother's car, but I can look back in retrospect. And I actually learned how to appraise cars through that process. And at a very young age, there was a time when they were all doing, you know, a bunch of things that they shouldn't be doing. And a bunch of managers got fired and all of a sudden nobody was, everybody was afraid of a computer. That's how I became an FNI manager. It's not because I was like some crazy talented 19 year old. Because I knew how to, I had a Commodore 64 and everybody else was terrified to log on to a computer. I was just the right place at the right time. But I also, like you said, Frank, I got an opportunity. I hung on to that rung. And the one thing that I, I can say is that I've had the best mentors in the world and I've never let go. I hung on for dear life, no matter how shitty the situation was or how everybody's like, oh, you're getting screwed. You're doing this. They just cut your pay in half to, you know, to be a GM. You're making half of what you were as a GSM. And they're right. You know, but I'm like, you know, it's an opportunity. I'm not going to let it go. I didn't really like it. My wife was pregnant. I had to build a house and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I just had to have blind faith and trust Dave Kaler because he said, look, it's going to work out. Just trust me. Get more Frank. Brian, it seems there was definitely a theme that you referred to many times. Once or twice, you said it directly and you said it in between the lines a bunch of times. It's just as important to learn how you don't want to be or what you don't want to be as it is to actually learn what it is that you want to be. Do you think that there's more learning potential that that people can grasp if they focus on this like elimination type of mindset? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to sell cars in this fashion. Is there a better learning opportunity for most people in that? Or is it in focusing on what it is that they do that they want to do? So I think the, the by focusing on what not to do, you'll end up at what you should do. Wendell Hardy says there's no right way to do the wrong thing. And Rick Germain says, if you if you have to ask what's the right thing, then I guess you got to ask yourself and, you know some other questions. And there, there, there's no right way to do the right thing to Wendell's point. So we all know what we're supposed to be doing. I've worked in dealerships before that have not been forthright in terms of disclosing the selling price and breaking down and, and itemizing everything that needed to be on the car, right? So there's some leg in the payment and you know, it just, it happens, right? But that that's, uh, in my mind, and some people will get offended by this, but it's just, it's amateur hour stuff. It doesn't need to happen. I'm going to generate a profit, but I'm going to give you a world-class service in order to do that. I don't have to do anything crazy. I'm not going to hide it. And I'm not going to say that. And, and maybe you don't, you know, we don't have to do business together, but I'm still going to serve you with excellence. And I'm still going to give you a world-class experience, whether you buy from me or you don't buy from me. And I'm not going to try to shortcut it. It's, uh, you know, there's this thing with risk aversion, versus you know law of abundance and everybody worries about what they're going to lose instead of what they could gain the get more frank podcast 
brought to you by Hamlin and Associates. Your next record month starts here. Car Now, the only road that can bridge online and in showroom. And I Recon from V Auto. See every step of the reconditioning journey for every car. The one that I love, Brian, is that is when there's some type of an offer out there in an email blast, or there's some type of an offer in you know uh, on the website or something like that, and it always turns into, well, don't give it to them unless they ask for it, and then if they ask for it, tell them it's not on that car. Well, what in the world is the point of doing it in the first place if you're not going to honor it? What's the point? What happens two hours later? You give it to them anyway. Exactly. Wasted time. And then the, I mean, it's more than the money to me. I mean, actually, the money is like minuscule. It's the message that you send to your employees as to what's important to you and what your values are, what you're going to stand for. And you're basically selling yourself out that, you know, for the right profit, you know, we're going to look this way on our morals, our ethics, and our standards. But you, it doesn't matter who it is, and everybody knows that you don't have to talk about it anymore. It's just known. That's how culture is built. It's the stuff that you don't need to do because they already know what you're going to tolerate and what you're not. And as painful as it is, you're going to have to make some decisions if somebody violates those because they're crystal clear. It's not ambiguous and it's not how many, oh, such and such. Well, this person sells this many cars. If it was somebody who sold, you know, sold eight cars a month, maybe we would make that decision. And Mike Poro said, just do the right, the right thing. That's you right. Know, it's, it's simple as that. Look, that's always what it comes down to is just, just do the right thing. You just got even more Frank on the Get More Frank podcast. If you found this valuable, and I'm sure you did, share this with everyone in your crew and, and smash, smash that, that subscribe, subscribe button so you always know when there is more Frank to get. Thanks for listening to the Get More Frank podcast.